the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. I had some news items I was going to go through with you. I'll do my monologue in the third hour. But I just tuned into the news of a terrible elementary school shooting in Texas. So far, 14 children, one teacher, and the 18-year-old gunman dead. And I just thought I'd share a few thoughts about this, Um, welcoming yours, of course, It was 2012, I guess, with the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut when many of us realized that, yet again, something terrible is happening in our culture and with our nation's children. We looked as far back as the massacres at Columbine in 1999 to any number of school shootings since then, including Sandy Hook, only to realize that too many children, young adults, even parents, have died at the hands of other children and young adults. Today, a massive school shooting in Texas. And there seems to be an overwhelming sense that these deaths could have somehow been preventable, as could have been the killer instinct in the perpetrators in the first place. For every news-making event like this, we see several things, I think, occur, at least to me. For every family that has an emotionally disturbed child who makes the headlines, and this one already is, there must be hundreds, if not thousands more, who have yet to act. Indeed, they may never act in a headline-grabbing event, but they may someday. Or they may go through their lives just short of a tragedy of national proportion, wrecking all kinds of havoc in their own and their families' and communities' lives. Many experts are very good at claiming to know how the child ended up this way and how such a thing could be prevented. But we seem to have that conversation again and again at many venues after every tragedy and with no real major implementation of solutions that are spoken about during these conspicuous but fleeting news cycles surrounding events like this. It may be trite to say, but it doesn't make it any less true that this is not the way the wealthiest, most educated, and most opportunity-rich society the world has ever known should operate. Kids should be safe here. Schools should be safe places. Indeed, these things simply should not happen. And so a phrase that we often say that could never happen here when we look at other countries is a phrase that simply can no longer be used. The fact is one can see news feeds almost any month and see that it does keep happening, whether in rural, suburban, or inner city communities all over the country. We are surprised again and again, and we will continue to be surprised again and again, having the same conversations and debates again and again. And more blood will be spilt unless we start having a different conversation and a different commitment to results. It's not just about guns. 
It's not just about entertainment. It's not just about broken families. It's not just about the mental health or involuntary commitment system. In fairness, it's about all those things sometimes and some of those things other times. And it's about a lot more, including a moral and educational void in, all, in our culture and the way we think about and treat children in our culture. With all the nonprofits and government entities, never mind mental health care professionals, counselors, crisis experts, shock is rightly still our first conviction after an event like this. After all, in looking at the history of child and young adult killers, few of the examples, if any, actually reveal a case of someone lost in a system. Usually the children and young adults were known and known to have problems, and yet again and again these things take place. So I return to the moral and educational void in our culture, a quote I've been using a lot lately, Teddy Roosevelt's who said to educate a man in the mind and not the morals is to educate a menace to society. We have a lot of menaces in our society. So why can't not each and every one of us make a simple commitment to our young adults, each one reaching one with the knowledge that the greatest loss in the world is the loss of life, followed only by the loss of human potential. This is true of both those who are victims and those who are at the tipping point of creating victims. But thus far, nothing has changed, not after Sandy Hook and certainly not before that after Columbine or elsewhere. No serious commissions, no serious studies, no serious undertakings, no serious policy reviews, just the same chatter from the public policy groups, each angling for their own sacred cows. I think about this as I think about other kinds of change, national and local, and stasis, our inability to change. This country has been known as the innovation nation. It was created with a motto, Novus Ordo Seclorum, a new order of the ages. We were once the can-do place where people ran to for not only a better life, more liberty, more safety, the rule of the law, an opportunity to make something of themselves and their progeny, but also their safety. They did not run here and we were not founded as a new place of liberty and life in order to go backwards. And yet we seem to be in a political place of paralysis. And if you're not moving forward and you're paralyzed, you're slipping backwards. Every few months, we debate things like budgets. Every few weeks, a hot spot in the world becomes very hot again. We debate sanctions or military actions. By the way, you ever notice these hot spots are always the same three or four places with little recognition that the wheel is the problem rather than the spokes, the Lord and not the rings. And we reach for things that make us feel better temporarily rather than doing things that actually solve problems or work, including cheap and easy, and easy answers, often, often politicized. But the narratives fall apart very fast, whether in Blacksburg or in Texas. It ain't always about race and it ain't always about law. Can't own a gun, handgun as an 18-year-old in Texas or anywhere else, not legally. 
can't go onto a school into a school zone with a weapon of any kind, long or short. Not legally. The truth is this. It all comes back to the culture. We can say no more Sandy Hooks. We're not immune here. We can say no more Tucsons. We can say no more Auroras. But until we truly embrace the meaning of the time-tested ethics of right and wrong, charity, goodwill, the importance of every child as if she were our own or he were our own, we're going to continue to spin these wheels, the same wheels, over and over again. It's going to take a new kind of maturity in our political and cultural debates, a maturity that looks forward as well as backward. For other reasons, I was playing around with this quote today. It's what Thomas Jefferson said of George Washington upon his death. Something about it just seems relevant. Jefferson said this about Washington, perhaps that I'm quoting, perhaps the strongest feature in Washington's character was prudence, never acting until every circumstance, every consideration was maturely weighed, refraining if he saw a doubt. But when once decided going through with his purpose, whatever obstacles opposed, his integrity was most pure, his justice the most inflexible I have ever known, no motives of interest or consanguinity of friendship or hatred being able to bias his decision. He was indeed in every sense of the words a wise, a good, and a great man. Can we say that about ourselves and our fellow citizens? Isn't that what we want to strive to be and strive for without making sure our political sacred cows get their fair hearing? regardless of whether the facts behind them and the truth behind them meets the reality. I say we need a great relearning about these old virtues as we move forward to cure ourselves of our current vices. The beginning of our political and cultural repair, I believe, starts just about there. We shouldn't recruit our children in order to weaponize them for adult issues, and we shouldn't as adults be infants ourselves, and we shouldn't be afraid to tackle sacred cows because some people are initially opposed to them for reasons political, but for reasons that just don't make any sense anymore. We say these things are senseless. I'm not sure I agree. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. If you are, uh, depending on your investments for your retirement income, uh, it may be time to think about adding precious metal to your portfolio. And if you're thinking about adding precious metals, gold, silver, do so from the company I use, Midas Gold Group. I have gold and silver from Midas Gold Group, veteran-owned. and Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, as we're looking at right now. Don't wait until inflation or a recession robs your savings or liberal policies damage financial markets even further. Protect yourself and your family. Diversify your investments before you lose it all with physical gold and precious metals. The only gold company I recommend, that's Midas Gold Group. Midas 
goldgroup.com. I don't know why it is I keep going back to this, but um, in 1999, Fred Rogers, known widely as Mr. Rogers, was honored at the Television Hall of Fame. And if Fred Rogers was known for one thing, it was about giving calm to anxious, riddled children, anxiety-riven children. And it's hard to get this across, but when you look at the video of the excerpt of the speech I'm about to play, or Bill's about to play, You'll recognize probably, you would recognize if you're over 40, you'd probably recognize everyone in the audience, everyone from Hollywood. It's the Hollywood that everyone would recognize. And they all love him. And they're all applauding what he has to say and cheering what he has to say. And then they just ignore it. They just ignore it. Bill, um, go ahead. Let it rip. Fame is a four-letter word. And like tape or zoom or face or pain or life or love, what ultimately matters is what we do with it. I feel that those of us in television are chosen to be servants. It doesn't matter what our particular job. We are chosen to help meet the deeper needs of those who watch and listen day and night. The conductor of the orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl grew up in a family that had little interest in music, but he often tells people he found his early inspiration from the fine musicians on television. Last month, a 13-year-old boy abducted an 8-year-old girl, and when people ask him why, he said he learned about it on TV. Something different to try, he said. Life's cheap. What does it matter? Well, life isn't cheap. It's the greatest mystery of any millennium, and television needs to do all it can to broadcast that, to show and tell what the good in life is all about. But how do we make goodness attractive? by doing whatever we can to bring courage to those whose lives move near our own, by treating our neighbor at least as well as we treat ourselves, and allowing that to inform everything that we produce. Let's hold it right there, Bill. What Fred Rogers does next is he asks everyone in the room to take a moment of silence and say a blessing or prayer for people who are no longer with us who helped inspire them to be better, which they all do. And then he concludes by saying, we all have only one life to live on earth and through television. He's speaking to a television audience. We have the choice of encouraging others to demean this life or to cherish cherish it in creative, imaginative ways. The devaluing of life the devaluing of a lot of things that we used to put great value on, um, that that shapes a culture. And no child is immune 
from it in a society like our own. No child's immune from it. No family's immune from it. And we're long past the time where you can, with any degree of credibility, say if you don't like what's on the television, change the channel. Or if you don't like what's on the screen, go to another one or change the site. It's like telling someone who lives next to a smokestack at a factory, if you don't like the air, don't breathe. This is all of it in the air. All of it. And you can't escape it. That's that's what a culture is. It's the air we breathe and the water we swim in. And it's shaped by cultural elites. What messaging from the cultural elites have we received in recent memory? Has it been uplifting? Has it been cherishing of life? Has it been encouraging more people to learn an instrument and be a conductor or be a conductor? Or more children to act violently, even engage in self-harm, whether through drugs or other apparatuses? Take a look at Take a, just go to Amazon, go to Netflix, Amazon Prime, Netflix, or any other streaming service you have, or look at the movie offerings. Go to the music section of your of your music offerings and your music services, whatever platforms you use, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, whatever. Look what's trending. Look at the kinds of songs that trend. Look at Look at our Super Bowl halftime shows. Look at the musicians they select. Look at the lyrics of those songs that we celebrate gyrations to. And look at the gyrations our society marches to. Look at the level of debate and the words we use. Look at how casually we throw around strong words and language like fascist and Nazi, bigot. Look at how people jump to politicize these issues for their own political gain and advancement. Look at how people can't take even a beat in a moment of repose. Look at how people, when it's sometimes a Republican in office, make fun of Republicans for saying we send our thoughts and our prayers. But when it's a Democrat in office, those same people say we'll send our thoughts and our prayers. Thoughts and prayers are good things. Sometimes they're the only things you can send. And we condemn it. We condemn it wrongly. Just as... I will condemn taking away the sense of calm and the sense of purpose schools and children were supposed to inhabit in this environment and the world we've given them, riddled and full of anxiety and violence and hate and premature adulthood. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960 is the number. Uh, we were talking about, as best we could, school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, a small Texas town, kind of in the center west, yeah, center west part of Texas. And um, I guess in context of what I was saying in the last uh, last segment, you'll never be disappointed when you um, lower the level of your expectation of what mature adults will say before they know hardly anything about what happened here. You have parents in this school who don't know if their children are alive or not. And you have people like producer, actor, director Rob Reiner tweeting an hour ago exactly what I'm about to quote you. The blood of every child that dies of gun violence in this country is on the hands of the Republican Party. Blood of every child that dies of gun violence in this country is on the hands of the Republican Party. Maybe it's on the hands of a movement that wanted to get rid of school resource officers. Maybe it's on no one's hands. Who were we talking with yesterday? Was it a caller or a guest? I don't recall. About 18-year-old shooter in Buffalo and trying to understand his manifesto. Much like trying to understand the shooter in Virginia Tech, Blacksburg, Virginia. I was there when that took place, or at least in D.C. Some of these people just have dark souls. Some of them have tremendous mental disturbances. Some of them have parents, in this case maybe even grandparents, have been pulling their hair out trying to get help that they cannot. Some of them face a civil commitment system that will not give them the help because they're too concerned about civil liberties but if you want to see more blame where it doesn't belong and if you want to be a child in the clothes of an adult you do what Rob Reiner did you blame an entire political party for this my guess is when something like this goes very, very wrong, like this, an 18-year-old, a child, a child mass murder. When you have a child mass murder, something very, 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 very wrong took place. It can hardly be attributed to a political party that this child knows very little about, I'm sure. And it can hardly be attributed to a party that in the main has sought for more decency in our culture, not less, and for more respect of human life at all its stages, beginning and end, not less. And if you want to think about what a mass shooter is engaged in, it's gross mass collective responsibility. That's what it is taking every human life 
as responsible for his own problems. That's what a tweet like this does too, Rob Reiner. It throws down collective responsibility where it doesn't belong. And it gets us farther from the solution rather than closer. But it does serve the exploitation, the ongoing exploitation of the elite culture to continue to marginalize decent Americans who just happen to think life is precious and whose political views think that the Constitution means and meant something. By and large, that's what it means to be a Republican. I have no idea what political party this man's parents or grandparents were, and neither does Rob Reiner. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity with an equally great return for investors, check out my friends at Y. Refi. What they're offering is a no-load fixed interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by great people who are doing very well by helping others, and you can be too. Y-Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out a debt, doing so the right way and doing the right thing and paying off their debts, doing it with dignity, helping them do it with dignity, even seeing major FICO credit score repair. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Again, that's investyrefi.com or 855-316-3087. I've said all I know how to say and what to think right now about what's transpired in Texas. The president will speak tonight somewhere around the 8 o'clock hour Eastern, and uh, we'll see what he has to say. I have a few thoughts and guesses. Let's hope I'm wrong, and uh, let's hope that um, that peace and calm can, um, can occupy everyone in Uvalde right now. Everyone. Everyone. On the political front, one of the things I wanted to share with you was piece by our friends at Issues and Insights that addresses something I was thinking about recently, issue of accountability. All those Republicans who supported Joe Biden, do you remember that crowd, the Republicans who supported Joe Biden? The Biden campaign was gleeful, they write at Issues and Insights, about the flood of prominent Republicans who'd crossed the aisle to support Joe's candidacy. They were never Trumpers who weren't just expressing their disdain for President Trump. They were actually heartily, lovingly making the case for Joe Biden. Back then, they were lauded as heroes by the establishment. And today, I think most of us really all, whether we want to say it or not, know the truth. These Biden-supporting Republicans were embarrassingly and dangerously wrong about the man they were touting for president. And we're all paying an enormous price and rapidly increasing price. For their arrogance. Nothing better encapsulates the Republicans for Biden mindset than the statement issued by nearly 500 former national security officials in the fall of 2020 backing Joe Biden. 
Forget about the fact that they trafficked in anti-Trump lies, such as the Russian bounty story and cited against Trump on China, climate change, and other issues of importance to conservatives. What stands out today is when they claimed Biden is, quote, the leader our nation needs, close quote. They put out a statement that said, quote, it is unthinkable that Joe Biden would ever utter the phrase, I don't take responsibility at all, close quote. Would anyone say that about Joe Biden now? Do a search, do a Google search of Biden blames, and you'll be flooded with examples of his refusing to take responsibility for anything, not for the 40-year high inflation gripping the nation and stealing America's savings, not for shortages that plague the country, not for the 600,000 some Americans that the CDC says have died since he took office from COVID, not for the disaster in Afghanistan, not even for his dismal poll numbers. Biden blames Republicans for classroom culture wars. Biden blames his low polling on psychological scars Americans have. Biden blames technical factors for economic contraction. Biden blames the Delta variant and unvaccinated people for weaker than expected jobs reports. Biden blames four large meat processors for rising prices. He blames Others for the swift collapse in Afghanistan as he defends his decision to withdraw troops. He blames Putin and the ultra-MAGA crowd for inflation and vows to give voters simple explanations. At one press conference, a reporter asked, do you take any responsibility for the inflation in this country? Biden's response was simply, I think our policies have helped, not hurt. At another event which took place when the COVID death toll reached a high point, a reporter asked Joe Biden, do you have a statement on your responsibility? Biden's answer was to smile and walk away. So let's just take a moment and look at what Republicans for Biden were telling the public about the Democrat before election and see how well their judgments held up. John Kasich, governor of Ohio, quote, I'm sure there were Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. Christine Todd Whitman, governor of New Jersey, formerly, we need to elect a leader matched to the moment, someone who can restore competence to the Oval Office and unify the country. Joe Biden is that leader. Bill Cohen, former senator from Maine and defense secretary for Bill Clinton. We are in serious need of a leader with optimism and competence who gives us hope. Joe Biden is that leader. Cindy McCain, quote, there's only one candidate in the race who stands up for our values as a nation, and that is Joe Biden. Meg Whitman, Joe Biden has a plan that will strengthen our economy for working people and small business owners. For me, the choice is simple. I'm with Joe. Jeff Flake. Quote, we need to elect someone who will stop the chaos and reverse the damage. Notice how no Republicans for Biden are currently bragging about help they, how they helped get Joe Biden elected. Where's Jeff Flake been? Where has Jeff Flake been? Did the endorsement make a difference in the 2020 elections? They argue that it did, at the very least, made plenty of people who'd otherwise have voted Republican comfortable for voting for Biden by making him seem like a safe choice. And in a close election, those small changes matter. And no matter what you think of the integrity of the 2020 vote counts, no matter what you think of it, it was a close election. 
defenders of these Republicans might say, well, who could have known that Biden would turn out to be such a disaster? A lot of us did. A lot of us who were willing to stand up and say so. A lot. There was an alternative path Republicans for Biden could have taken. They could have talked about Donald Trump's personality versus his principles and policies. And they could have made the case that policies, not tweets, matter more to Americans. They could have pointed out that most of the attacks on Donald Trump were bogus, if not invented, by the very party Joe Biden's ticket was printed on. They could have said that they would hold Trump accountable for transgressions, but that Biden was inept, half-wit, in mental decline, would be a disaster for the country, had no business applying to be a Delaware school bus driver, let alone leader of the free world. They could have, but chose not to. Think about what it means to become the president from a state like Delaware. Think about it. He's never really won hundreds of thousands of votes. He's won Delaware. He's won Delaware until he ran for president of the United States. His vice presidential candidacy was nothing. It was nothing. It was a vote for Obama, not for him. No one voted for the Obama-Biden ticket because of Biden. It's an interesting thing to think about. Nancy Pelosi's the other one that's interesting to think about. A small, elite part of San Francisco, and she becomes perhaps in effect the leader of the United States of America, having never won as many as 200,000 votes. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. I take their product every day, their fruits and veggies. I don't even think of it as a product. I just think of it as part of my daily routine. Blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables, 100% natural, pure, potent plant power, boosting your energy, boosting your immunity, boosting your health the way only pure fruits and vegetables can. Take it once a day and you are good to go. I've been taking it for years and I love it. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. There's Dr. Hal. Hi, Hal. Been a while. I hope you're well. I am well, and, and I hope you're well, sir. I am, sir. Thank uh, you. Excellent, excellent. And thank you for taking my call. Of course. I, I just had a brief comment. Uh, we have this uh, this horrific event in Texas, and um, as uh, as we learn more about the the uh, suspect, uh, we may find that perhaps he had some underlying mental illness, and obviously it wasn't addressed uh, well enough. Uh, this happens a lot with uh, these uh, people who uh, end up uh, doing these terrible things. Almost every time. And, uh, almost every time. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's almost you, you. You could almost say, yeah, this guy had un, un, unaddressed uh, mental illness, but you know, you can't uh, you can't make that decision uh, without more information. Yeah, no, we'll need to know um, more, but just based on previous patterns, it's highly likely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I have worked in a, a hospital with 25 beds and had five of them filled with people who have who suffer from severe mental illness waiting for days or maybe even a week or more to go to an inpatient psychiatric facility. Yeah. And uh, so the, I think the mental health care system in this country 
um, is is obviously deficient. Yep. And part of it got that way through uh, uh, activists using litigation to uh, change how we do things. Yep. Um, and this is yet another example. I mean, now obviously most famously Roe v. Wade. Uh, you know, activists using litigations to impose their will. But uh, there are many, many things like this, and and that how we deal with mental illness is one of them, yep. one of the legion of things that are handled this way. And so we don't have legislatures sitting down, hashing out, how do we deal with this very difficult problem and coming up with a solution and actually being accountable to people because you can't go to your legislature, you can't go to the legislature and say, what are you going to do about this? No, that's right. Don't say, well, we have all these, we have all these lawsuits that have happened. That's right. And so we can't do anything. There's a great so book. On, no, you're right. And I'm glad you brought it up, Hal. The, the best book I've read on it is The Dream and the Nightmare by Myron Magnet. And he talks about all those litigation campaigns in the 60s and 70s, uh, most of them done by civil liberties unions. Uh, it, it led to a terrible problem in this country and a terrible ethos in this country. We're not protecting the individual or community with this new ethos. We're not. And that's the standard that we never meet. Harm to self or others, danger to self or others. You bet. You bet. They just define that threshold so high we can't do anything about it. That needs to change. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 